Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Pink Shade. It's Mary Payne here, and I'm very excited because I've got a friend of mine, fellow podcaster, fellow DC person with me. It's Mandy Slutsker from Is This Real Life with Mandy Slutsker, right? Yeah. <laughs> I literally was like, as I was saying it, I was like, is this real life? Because I always think of, <laughs> I always think of your, you have that cute logo with yourself, you know, that's like a cartoon going, huh? Is it? Because your podcast focuses a lot on the reality shows that we love to talk about, Bravo mostly, and you talk about like, hmm, let's let's you know dig down a little deeper into these personalities. That's sort of what you do over there, and it's a great podcast, guys. It comes out on Sundays, which I like because Sundays by then I've usually burned through everything that came out like Thursday through Saturday, and I'm ready for something on Sunday. You don't have to wait till Monday because Mandy's podcast is out there. Thank you so much, Mary Payne. You're so, You're so sweet. Welcome. I do love it. I do love it. I was just listening. I was speaking on podcasts. I was listening this morning. I had to go get a um, MRI on my wrist, and a lot of the monkeys have followed my uh, wrist journey. Yeah, I'm not getting that uh, uh, electronic, electric, whatever, electrocution up my arm that they were trying to do. I canceled that because I'm too scared, but I did go get an MRI today. So, um on the way to the MRI, I was listening to Danny Pellegrino's podcast, Everything Iconic, and oh, I was laughing so hard at him talking about this episode. Um, he calls Erica Jane, Bamboozle Jane, and he calls Tom, Tommy two times, or Tommy two times, something. I don't, two I was time like, Tommy or something? Something like that. It's hilarious. So I was laughing about him talking about the party at Sutton's house, Kyle's old house that Kyle keeps reminding us that uh, they brought out the salad and it was wet lettuce. And he was like, there wasn't a crouton. There wasn't a cucumber. There wasn't an olive. It was wet lettuce. And that Lisa was like, that looks delicious. <laughs> and he's like, this is Beverly Hills wet lettuce. He goes, and I don't mean wet with oil. I mean, it was just wet lettuce. Um, and Lisa Renna was like, this looks amazing. Zero calories. Lisa Renna talks <laughs> about food like someone who doesn't eat but pretends she does. So yes. the kinds of things that she talks about are just so awkward when she's like, I love a good hot dog. <laughs> but then the way she describes a hot dog isn't like someone who actually eats hot dogs. She yes. just because she doesn't eat, but she pretends she eats. It's it's the most awkward, uncomfortable, unsaid thing. And I feel like the only housewife that's ever brought it up to her was Kim Richards. When she What'd was she like, say? she said, I think it was that big fight that they were in in Amsterdam. Yeah. And she's like, have a piece of bread. Maybe you'll calm down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Eat something. You'll feel better. Um, that's so funny. Well, I am excited that next week we got a little blip of her telling Erica about her daughter dating Scott Disick. And Erica's like, so it's true. And she's like, yeah, it's true. Yeah. I wonder if I'll she'll like, turn it around and be like, so is everything about you and Tom true? <laughs> Yeah, right. But you right. know she won't. You know she won't. No, because everybody's always happy to talk about themselves on this show. So she's, you know, happy to have a little moment to talk about um, Delilah Bell and Amelia Gray. Um, okay, so this episode of Beverly Hills was interesting because we started off where we left off last week with Erica doing that dramatic come in and close the door and look at the and look at the ladies or whatever. And uh, I was also laughing at Danny on his podcast saying that Erica kept looking right at the camera. And he's like, this is not Jim from the office. Quit looking at the camera. But she uh, she did come in kind of easy breezy, light and easy, like, hey, ladies, what's up? Just filed for divorce of my husband for 20 years. What's going on? We have a little Parisian theme. She didn't seem bothered. She didn't seem bothered. She never seems bothered. And it's worrisome, you know, when you read the allegations of what happened for her not to be bothered about what happened to these victims. It's really mm -hmm. hard. You know, it's it's different. It'd be interesting if we saw this 
back in November when it was actually happening, I think we would have received it so much differently. But now that it's airing in June and we know what's happened, we've heard from the victims, we've read the LA Times articles, it's it's hard to, she can't spin it anymore. Mm-hmm. So, all right, so we'll go through the episode, and then I really want to kind of talk about your thoughts on it uh, specifically, because I have, uh, I maybe have some controversial thoughts on it, maybe not, but, all right, so she comes in, blah, blah, they joke around, they have the wet lettuce uh, thing and the caviar <laughs> on the on the potato. I'm, I don't, I don't like any type of fish at all. I mean, I'll maybe go like a fried shrimp basket, but I don't like a shrimp. I don't like anything. So I don't like a caviar for sure, but they're serving it on a baked potato. I was trying to understand what was the, the, what was so special about serving it at the table as opposed to like how like Kathy, passing it around. Yeah, or... I was very confused by that whole thing. I, I've never eaten caviar. I'm always mm-hmm. a little nervous. I'm allergic to shellfish. I don't like trying new things from the sea. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I couldn't understand what Kathy was talking about and what they all were talking about with that. It just flew over my head. Yeah, I guess she said if it sits out, it gets grimy, whatever. I was like, these are 1% <laughs> problems. Everybody's like, oh, Kathy, whatever Kathy says, Kathy is right. And, you know, she is. She's right. She, she When she was saying, like, you know, the person with the mm-hmm and that, you know, because you don't want to uh, uh, <laughs> that was so funny. That was so, and it's so true. They're being filmed. She's not going to say, like, people's names or whatever she's alluding to. And yeah. you never know who's listening. Just you know, the world the feds. at this moment. <laughs> the feds. With this group, you know. Oh, uh, yeah, she, uh, I also thought it was interesting when she said that at the table about you never want to be on a magazine cover. That's a bad thing, no matter if it's for bad or for good. I wanted to say, okay, well, I can remember, and this is a throwback to my age. When Paris Hilton was a teenager, she's now 40, guys. When she was a teenager, and she and Nikki, who was even more of a teenager, they were probably 15, 16 at the time, 17, they were on the cover of Vanity Fair as like the new it party girls. And they were both more so Paris, almost practically nude. It was like just a nipple cover, just an ass cover. And they were, you know, it was a professional photo shoot about the two sisters and how they were out girls on the town or whatever. They're complete teenagers, not even anywhere close to being 21. And I remember thinking like, huh, well that maybe that's where it started. I mean, you know, for her to think like this is never, never a good thing. And do you think that she was talking about like the difference between being on a magazine cover? That's a tabloid where they write a story about you versus Mm. one where you get to sort of control the narrative. You give an interview, you do a photo shoot. Because I was thinking she she was talking about she said any magazine. You're right. She said being on the cover of a magazine is not good. And you've seen like they've really that Paris and and Nikki have kind of pulled back from the spotlight big time. And I don't Mm -hmm. know what perpetuated it. But I'm sure she was like, this is this is not going the direction we want it to go. Yeah, I think that when she was younger, Paris is on the covers, you know, for a lot of bad reasons. Um, Mm -hmm. And even probably, you know, soon I'm sure she'll have like a a, a perfect baby and a stage photo shoot and all that. And it'll be on the cover of People or whatever. But but if you're Kathy, Kathy says good or bad, no matter what magazine, you don't want to be on the cover. And I think that's just like if you're of a certain caliber of person. You don't you, you don't talk. You know, it's like uh, uh, money talks and wealth whispers or, or whatever that phrase is. You know, maybe that's that's what she's trying to say. And I thought it was interesting where Erica was like, yeah, yeah, you know, I people have made a lot of her first saying I let go of the Lamborghini. But it was in context of the conversation about getting a new car. And she says, oh, I got a new car. And they said, what'd you get? And she just said, I got a Range Rover. And then they it was dead silent. And they all just looked at her. And she goes, let's talk about the elephant. I did let go of the Lamborghini and the house and the marriage. She did say him in that order. That is true. But it was in the context of a car conversation. Um, she maybe could have said, I had to let go of my marriage. And in that moment, I also had to let go of my Lamborghini. I don't, I don't know. I Was she trying to say that the Range Rover was like a step down? Like she... Oh, yeah. Which mm-hmm. is such a... It's just a hard thing to swallow, you know, for the rest of us. I think... Yes. I think if we were talking about this completely in the absence of crimes against victims of fires and stuff like that, we would Mm -hmm. be able to be more interested in it. But because she's talking about things that were bought with stolen money, it's Mm -hmm. so much harder for us to wrap our 
for me to like swallow. Like I don't mind when Crystal shows off a $95,000 bag that was paid for, you know, by her husband's hard earned money. You know, they mm-hmm. can buy what they want with it. But when it's bought with stolen money, it's all just so icky. And she, when she's complaining, like, oh, I had to step down to a Range Rover. Those of us watching, like, you know, <laughs> like, I'll never drive a Range Rover. Yeah, she definitely was trying to say, like, I had a Lamborghini and now I have a Range Rover. I wanted to be like, well, you could shove more shit in the back of a Range Rover. You can't get anything in a Lamborghini. That's like a two-seater. <laughs> Who could you put in there? You could put in Mikey Menden and maybe a little tiny assistant in the back. Um all right, so at that at that lunch is when she sort of says, here's what happened. I had to do it this way. I knew for 30 days. I didn't want to tell any of you because then you, you know, and, and that part I got. She didn't want any of them to know because they, you know, didn't want to have, like, hide information or whatever. And she explains, like, I had to do it this way. Now, can you explain, because uh, you are more of a, a person who studies this more than I do. Can you explain the timeline of when she said... I started it 30 days ago, but only two weeks, 14 days ago, they had been in Tahoe, Lake Tahoe, where she had said over and over, he lets me be me. He's so wonderful. He's at the firm. He's at a workhorse. He's so amazing. He's always been everything to me. So it was just two weeks. So what was happening there? So I think the timeline is, and I, I don't know all of the lawsuits, but there was a big one filed in September of 2020. I think Mm -hmm. the 30 days starts in October Mm -hmm. and I think the entire month of October, she is closing out stuff, making her escape. And then they go on this Lake Tahoe vacation at the very end of October, not the middle Mm -hmm. at the end. And four days after they get back is election day. And she decided to file on election day, hoping that the story would get buried. And it obviously did not. So I think that was the timeline so, you okay. know, so what, yeah. so was when they saw her, it was two weeks since Tahoe, but she filed four days after Tahoe. Yes. Okay. Okay. Well, that makes a little more sense for her not to be flat in the middle of this 30 days being talking about how great he was, but she's at the end of the 30 days talking about how great he was. I don't know. Was she doing that because she wanted the camera to catch her saying that stuff in case it didn't go her way? Like, why was she saying all that stuff? Why was she? She didn't. Have, she normally shouldn't have to say anything. She normally shares nothing. I have no idea. I'm perpetually interested in Erica Jane's brain and her thinking because I think she thinks multiple steps ahead. I think she's a very smart woman. And Jay Adelstein, one of the lawyers who is leading lawsuits against her, believes that she is smarter than Tom, much smarter. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think at every single. Every single thing she did and said during that 30-day period and afterwards was well thought out. So I don't know what the reasoning is at this point for why she said what she said. If it was just to, I don't know, make it seem like act like how she probably used to act where she would talk about him in that way. So I'm just going to keep talking about him like that and no one will know any different. Um, or if she wanted to be caught on camera, I don't know, but I do believe that everything she does is calculated. I do too. And I can't remember who I was listening to in the last couple of days that was saying that they could totally disagree with that theory that she's super smart. Like, actually, we think she's super dumb. And I was like, I don't, I think that you can even tell by the way she speaks, even if she's had some drinks or not, the way she speaks, everything is thought through. She hardly ever flies off the handle you could tell she thinks about what she says and that's pretty hard to do in reality tv after all these years i mean we even saw teddy mellencamp get drunk and be like you know like you you know (laughs) people that hardly even ever let loose you know so i think i I think she is at the very minimum extremely calculating in everything she does and i believe most of these women are it more so on Beverly Hills than on some of the other shows. They're constantly trying to imagine how the audience is going to react to them. And that's mm. one. And they've made mistakes. They they bet incorrectly. You know, they thought mm-hmm. the whole audience would be on their side against Lisa Vanderpump. And that didn't happen. And then the mm-hmm. following year, they thought, oh, everyone's going to catch Denise lying and they're going to you know, want us to go after her for a line. And then that didn't happen. So they're constantly miscalculating how they think the audience is going to react to them. But they're also <laughs> mm-hmm. still trying to behave a certain way as to get on the audience's good side. 
Yeah, I saw Lisa Vanderpump put a, a tweet out. I don't know what she the previous tweet was, but then she put a tweet out right after that and said, and as for that other matter, you know, like, yes, I have lots of opinions. Now, I have to assume she's talking about Erica. But I was like, well, I guess you do have that that dumb Vanderpump dog show that goes somewhere. I don't know where it shows. It's somewhere. But so I guess you are still connected with Bravo, so you can't really say. But I would like and to. And Vanderpump she... Rules. She's an executive producer oh, on Vanderpump true, true, Rules, true, true. too, which is yeah. filming right now. So she can't, she can't really say what she thinks, but I'd love to know. Yeah. I'd love to know. Me too. That, you know, because Lisa and Ken, I think, you know, have shown they've had restaurants and clubs for 30, 40 years, however old Ken is, 100. They they have clubs and stuff for a long time. So they have real money that they've really made, you know? So yeah. she's probably, but, but, all right, let's think. Okay. So Erica was brought in by Yolanda. And it was because David Foster and Tom Girardi were friends. I was wondering that. I'm sure they are friendly. I mean, I feel like Tom knew almost everyone in L.A. Mm -hmm. And everyone knew him and they knew his reputation and they knew they wanted to be on his good side. And I think uh, Erica and Yolanda were friendly. Yes. Right. Okay. And so I think she was brought on to support Yolanda when the whole cast was going after her for her Lyme disease situation. Okay, because I was trying to remember. I was like, I know Yolanda brought it on, but now are we trying to remember that? Because we didn't see Tom at first. It was just, you know, there was just like when Erica first came on, it was like pictures of this old guy. We're like, that's her husband? Um, you know, and a lot of people think that with Erica and this filing a divorce, it was transactional. And once it no longer suit her, once she could no longer get money from him, then she bailed. Um, I, I think that is partly true. I do think he was... Uh, verbally abusive to her. I do. I think he treated her like shit. He probably treated his other two wives like shit, too. Now, speaking of the other two wives, okay, we know that he had a first wife that he had kids with. And then he had a second wife who I guess he did not have kids with, but then they were involved in a really long court battle over their divorce. Did she end up getting anything, that second wife? Do we know? I don't know, but I would Was guess she that she got a lot less than what she wanted. Right, because he's in the pockets of all the judges, it yes. seems like. But then he went on to marry Erica without even planning anything. Like, they were at a country club, and he had someone who was just dining there be the witness, and he had a judge marry them, and there was no prenup. Mm -hmm. Which is, no. which shows he has, I think, very impulsive decision-making, because mm -hmm. if you've been married twice before and you have a large fortune and you're marrying someone that doesn't have money, you would want to protect your assets in case it doesn't work out, knowing that your other two marriages haven't worked out. So why would this one, you know, just right. just to hedge right. your bets, just to just to be smart. But him not doing that made me feel like, oh, my gosh, he really is someone who flies by the seat of his pants, who is somewhat reckless with money and with decision making. Yeah, you know, I think that. Um what you know when they showed all the clips of him sort of snapping at people and all that and then we heard uh on the documentary housewife and the hustler we heard those phone calls and then i believe kate casey had jay edelstein on who played those phone calls and when you hear him and it's sort of it's a little bit like he's two people it's like he's oh i'm your best friend i'm just trying to get your money for you okay buddy all right you're my favorite guy love you and then he's on the phone the other people like you better make the shit go away for a million dollars. You know, he's, I, I, yeah. I, so you could, so which one of those does, is Erica relate with more, right? Which one is she relating with the one that's sort of that verbally abusive one or cause she would always say to people, Oh, he's just a big teddy bear. You know, which I believe he can be. And that's what's so crazy is like he was two people, but then she's sort of two people, right? Like she formed another identity, Erica Jane, you know, while being married as Erica Girardi. And I just mm -hmm. find that really fascinating that she felt the need to have this alter ego and to act out her alter ego. And what perpetuated that? You know, like in the beginning, she said it was like a form of self-expression. It was her taking control of her life and her body and her destiny and pursuing a dream and her sexuality. But, but what was it happening that she was that she felt the need to create this. Cause I, I feel like it wasn't just uh, from a creative point of view that she did this. I felt like it was a crutch 
if that an makes escape. sense. An escape. An escape. Yes. Yeah. An escape. Uh, I wonder, did she have uh, Mikey Minden and that glam squad and all that before she had this alter ego? Like if she was Erica Girardi going to a law firm Christmas party, is she, is she, does she have three people in tow at all times to touch her up, you know, or did I all that th- come with the Erica Jane of it? I think that came with the Erica Jane of it. And he, cause Mikey Minden had been doing, he was a choreographer, I believe for the pussycat dolls and mm-hmm. for some other people prior to working almost exclusively with Erica. And so I believe he helped create the Erica Jane that we know today. I don't think it was just her. I think there was a lot of creative people involved mm-hmm. in, in the whole process. And I wish I could have said I read her whole book, but I, I just, <laughs> I tried. I really tried. And I love Brian Moylan, who ghost wrote it for her. But there was of something course. so inauthentic about it because it felt like she was not opening up in the way that other people open up in their autobiographies. Like I just, it just felt still sterile. Like we were only yeah. seeing what she wanted us to see, but not the whole thing versus Margaret Josephs came out with a book and she just laid it all out there. The good, the bad, the ugly. It's all there. And, yeah. I want to read yeah. Margaret's book. I haven't read it. I'm dying to read it. Um, okay. Wait, I just, cl- I didn't mean that. Here you are. Sorry. I cl- you know, you guys, um, technology. Okay. So I tried to close one thing and then like I accidentally closed you. Okay. So my next question is, okay. So back, so back to the table. So she says all this stuff and they're all like, okay, yeah, great. And they all just take what she says at face value. And then we go on with the other storylines. So the other storylines we've got going on are Sutton and Crystal. Um, okay. If this was New York housewives, this scene would have never crossed more than one second of conversation, it would have been like, you dumb bitch, you walked in on my neck and like, shut up, ho. And that would have been it. That would have been it. Yeah. This is going to go on till the end of the season where, and we have now seen the video a thousand times where she knocked, knock, knock. Hi. Oh, whoops. Sorry. I don't know what's going on in here and drops the coat. Crystal obviously was upset by it as she should be. Somebody walks in on you nude. I, I get it. But it's so funny how they're kind of trolling Crystal and going back and showing, like, she's like, people keep asking me about it. And every time she tells it, she changes the story a little, you know, which we all do. Um, but Sutton's just like, okay, like, we're, we've talked about it. And then when she, they, they talk privately again, and then they come to the group and say, we're done talking about it. And then Crystal goes, okay, I believe you. Or I'll take your word for it or whatever. And Sutton's like, oh. So Sutton has declared that she thinks Crystal is a mean girl. Now, what, what, what say you on that? I believe, and this is so interesting for me to watch, that Sutton and Crystal are just two personalities that do not mesh. I think they could if they worked at it, but just naturally, they don't mesh. Take away Crystal possibly over-exaggerating what happened. Take away Sutton being shutting down when crystal's talking about her experience being an asian woman in the united states like take those things away their personalities are oil and water it just doesn't work and i don't think either of them are bad people or anything like that it's just for me fascinating to see two people that would never talk to each other in real life never be friends never go on a vacation together be forced in the situation and just how it's almost like an awkward sociological experiment just to see how these two personalities, how they try and communicate. And I think like Crystal isn't trying to shut her down when she's just like, okay, yeah. Okay. I think that's just how she is. And then Sutton takes it a certain way. And then, you know, when Sutton does something and is overly emotional, Crystal may be taken away, but that just may be how Sutton is. So I just, I don't think either of them are right or wrong. It's just two personalities that I don't think mesh very well and have very different kind of worldviews and personalities. So I find it very fascinating to watch. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think that's 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 what your podcast is about. I think that's really interesting. I would have never thought about it that way because in my mind, I'm like, there are two rich ladies in Beverly Hills that can both afford a $95,000 handbag and a $25,000 home rental and, you know, whatever. They're both just fabulous and wealthy. And so, sure, they would get along. But I guess that doesn't necessarily make you want to get along <laughs> with somebody. Um, yeah, that's that's very interesting. I, I feel the same. I feel like neither of them are right or wrong. They both have valid points of what they're feeling and their perception of what happened. And and Crystal definitely has the, the right to feel 
violated or whatever. Listen, I don't want somebody walking in on me naked. I I, I don't. I, but if somebody you know knocked on my door and then was like, oh, sorry, I don't know what's going on in here. I would have been like, girl, I'm sorry you had to see that and laugh. You know, but I think Crystal maybe doesn't have that lighthearted side to her or we haven't seen it yet quite. Or, you know, maybe with her body dysmorphia situation, like mm-hmm. she's like extra sensitive about people seeing her um, exposed that way. And, okay. you know, yeah. she's also new to the show, new to seeing all these camera crews. Like, I don't know how close the camera crews got to where she was. Like if she thought they were going to walk in on her naked or if yeah. she was going through other things that weekend where she was feeling not great about her body I, I don't know you know she says she's in recovery for this eating disorder I don't know what that looks like but okay. it, I feel yeah, like she's right. really uncomfortable with her body and so I was like oh this is like way deeper for her but I don't think she's articulating that to Sutton and then just in the exact opposite which is when w- when Crystal used the term manic with Sutton, that cut really mm. deep with Sutton. But I don't think that's where Crystal was coming from either. So I just don't think they are seeing. <laughs> they're just not seeing eye yeah. to eye. Like I, you know, and and they're not explaining themselves very well either. Yeah, I think they're pushing buttons without meaning to. Yes, yeah, exactly. It's like if you don't know somebody very well, you don't know if saying the word manic is going to push their buttons or, you know, they're going to be like, Hey, you know about my dad or whatever. That's not, not, you know, no, I didn't know that. So yeah, you're right. Yeah. I think this, um, I, I need this, I need this to be over. I need it to be solved. I need, um, uh, put the, whatever we're going to call it, coat gate. I need it to end. So I, I think that they are going to end up being friends, maybe not this season, but in real life now, because if you were able to see um, Crystal and Kathy on Watch What Happens Live this week, she says that her and Sutton talk regularly, and she was very complimentary towards Sutton and all of that. So I feel like when the season started to air and when Sutton saw how she behaved and then wrote that apology, yeah. I think mm-hmm. they started talking and actually were able to find some common ground. And so it'll okay. be interesting to see at the reunion if they really want to rehash everything or if they're like, you know what? We're cool now. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. That's a great point. When will Erica be at the reunion? So she has to be if she wants to be on next season. And I don't believe she has any other source of income at this point. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I don't think her book was an absolute bestseller and she's got another one on the way, anything like that. So, you know, she needs to be on the show if she wants to earn a living. Um, okay, so the, we saw the pictures this week of Erica looking like uh, better than most of us do going to pump gas. But people were like, oh, look at her, her hair. I was like, she just got out of bed and is pumping gas. She looks and of fine. Course, <laughs> she looks fine. And of course, the, she called the, I mean, I, I think she probably called the paparazzi on herself. Look how normal I am. But how does she still have an assistant? And then Tom Girardi, you know, spotted out at the blah, blah, having lunch with somebody. How do these people go out to lunch, pay for their gas, if literally every asset they have is frozen? How do you move about the world if you don't, if you can't even use like a credit card? I have no idea. I do believe, so I think Erica is really smart, as I've said before. I bet that when she started earning money from Housewives, she set up a separate account and that money Mm -hmm. was going there because why would he care about her like couple hundred thousand dollar a year paycheck if he's quote unquote making tens of millions? So I think she has access to money that she made separately from him. So okay. that's, that's what I think of her. I have no idea where he's going. I'm assuming people, like, are people taking him out to lunch? Can he even, he can't even drive anywhere? I mean, he's been declared that he has Alzheimer's and can't even, like, hire his own counsel. I mean, he has a conservatorship right now with his brother being his conservator. So if someone's your conservator, are you allowed to drive? Like, are you allowed to? How does this all work? <laughs> I have no well, idea. <laughs> We'll go into it in a minute when Britney Spears said in her statement about her conservatorship that all she wants to do is ride in her car with her fucking boyfriend. And mm-hmm. to, uh, she's not she's not allowed to go in the car with him. So uh, why? Why? I don't know. Maybe Tom's allowed to only go in the car with his brother. I don't know. Um, okay. So, all right. Mikey. Do you think Mikey, because we did see Mikey and the assistant uh, in the new house. Do we think Mikey is hanging around being supportive or he's not hanging around if he's not getting paid i think they have a real friendship and he's totally supportive at this point he doesn't know about the money issues right because why Mm, would he this stuff hadn't Mm. come out big i think until maybe six weeks later um when she had her whole meltdown on 
on Instagram or Twitter where she posted, oh, he had this judge that he was banging 10 years ago or whatever. So Mm. I don't think we knew all the money. I don't think Mikey knew all the money was gone. So I think part Mm. of it is like, okay, yeah, he's hired by her. He's on the payroll. But at the same time, he helped make her Erica Jane. Yeah. So. Yeah. You know, that whole thing about it's it's funny, like how you forget other things like I'd forgotten until recently about her posting all those screenshots from his flip phone or whatever, uh, you know, how he bought this girl plastic surgery, this judge or what, all this stuff. I'd forgotten about all that. And so to me, it seems like they definitely had an arrangement and she probably knew he was banging judges or whatever and did not care because she didn't have to bang him. Like she didn't care as long as they had a mutual understanding that she would be the arm candy and he would uh, pay for her career. And it was, that's okay, fine. I mean, fine. I, who am I to judge? But uh, I, I, this is my controversial opinion. I don't personally think she, she saw all of this coming down the pike and bailed out. I think she saw some of it coming down the pike and maybe he was, you know, maybe he does have a little Alzheimer's and it was getting worse and worse verbally abusive. Maybe with the two of them in the house, I've been around people with dementia and Alzheimer's. They can get, you know, physical when they're agitated and stuff. Maybe all this, she was just like, I don't want to do it anymore. And also he's about to get sued left, right of center. And I don't want to be liable for any of this. And so I want to go ahead and get out before I get sued too. I don't necessarily think she knew he was moving all these hundreds of millions of dollars around bar from this one to pay that one. I think she got her money and was happy to get her money. And she would, you know, read that he was being sued about this or something. And he would just say, you don't need to worry about it. And she'd say, okay, as long as I've got my glam squad and my Lambo and my whatever, she didn't care to know any further. That's what I think. I think you could be right. I mean, I, because I believe she is a smart person who thinks through, I don't think she would have shown off all of that wealth if she thought it was based on stolen money, because everything that they have discussed on the show, you know, you've got lawyers watching the show and taking notes on how much everything costs. And Mm -hmm. where is that piece of jewelry? Where is that plane? Where is this thing? You know, all of that. So I don't think she necessarily knew how bad it was. What she did make a very massive mistake doing is accepting a loan, $20 million, to her company, EJ Global, directly from Girardi Keyes' accounts. So instead of having the money go to her and her husband's joint account or her husband's account and then from her husband to her business, it went directly from his business to her business. And there is no rhyme or reason why Girardi Keyes Law Firm would be giving a $20 million loan to EJ Global for any reason. And, and it was and it was said it was a loan. It wasn't just a like here's a cash infusion for my wife. And I don't know what the stipulations of the loan is. Like I don't know what makes it a loan. That's just the wording that was used. Um, but it was mm-hmm. twenty million dollars of cash given to EJ Global from Girardi Keys. And if mm-hmm. I'm her, I'm like, why would I take money from a business account? That seems mm-hmm. shady. It just, uh, well, in my mind, listen, and I, you know, in my mind, I'd be like, well, I guess it's his money because it's his firm. So he can do with what he wants. Now, she should have had a a, a business person uh, accountant somewhere be like, yeah, we need to put one step in between. You know, yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, because it's not money coming from him. It's coming from his business and his business. Yes, he was the only partner at the business. No one else was ever allowed to become partner, which is also super weird and shady. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I just think that, that that's kind of weird that that all happened. And that is where she is going to get screwed, I believe. Who's Keys of Girardi Keys? I don't know. I've been wondering this for a long time. Hmm. and I But I actually never Googled it. <laughs> so it's like how much could I have really wondered it if I never googled it <laughs> do you know we do this we do this in the car sometimes we're having conversations about something and it'll be like 10 minutes will go on I'll go can somebody just google it we can, we can find out the answer what did we do before this we just like went around just not knowing stuff and being like huh <laughs> yeah and then just if I would ask you and you would tell me the answer and I'd be like well that's the answer that, that like, sounds I'm, I'm, right I'm not <laughs> going to get out my Encyclopedia Britannica and look it up. I don't know. Um, All right. So my notes on this episode where Erica seemed real light and breezy. 
real light and breezy. Um, she had that one tear one time in her confessional. And at one point she was like, did I like having this jacket? Yes. And the cars, I was like, that particular jacket is pretty hideous. That's the jacket. I know the red yeah. one. In her. Yeah. I was like, and she's like, at what human cost? I was like, that jacket. <laughs> that jacket it's not worth it not worth it i mean if it was like a little like a little classic chanel number you'd be like oh yeah but i was like that jacket um also let me ask you this okay you know she had on when she was walking around her new place talking about you know her rooms and her closet and they're just the the producers are trolling the shit out of her they are showing stacks of handbags in their um dust covers and they're all you know, Balenciaga, Christian Dior, Louis Vuitton, they're all Chanel. Everything is just, and they're stacked. I mean, each bag is from 1000 to, could be 95000 She could have a couple of $95,000 one in there. Stacked, stacked up. And you're thinking like, okay. And then you think the producers are trolling her, and then they show her talking, and then the next talking head in the same sentence, one single tear is coming down, Lisa Rinna style. I'm like, oh my God. Was she able to eke that out? Because we've never we've never really seen her cry other than that one time on the uh, junk boat when she was like, you don't know what I go through at night. We don't know still what that means. But I think what she meant was she's worried about at that junk boat was about her son, who is a cop in L.A. And I think yeah. she's always worried that he could be killed in the line of duty. So I think that's what she was talking about with that. But maybe. But um, <laughs> who knows? But yeah, I don't I mean, when she tells these anecdotes about her relationship with Tom, such as, and this one's pretty tough, where she was running late to dinner, caught in traffic, shows up, says, I'm sorry, I was in traffic. And Tom's colleague says, um, a better man, if you were married to a better man, traffic would be no problem. And then, I, didn't, I didn't get that. Did that mean so because I, he was he was being a dick to her about the traffic? Uh, well, I think if you were married to a better man, he would have arranged a helicopter or something. That was oh, what I was taking it as. Because okay. how else could traffic be no problem? I have right, no idea. Right. Okay, okay. And then um, Tom said, well, if you think you can afford her, you can have her. Yeah. And that's a real nasty thing. But yeah. she's trying to sell that as like, these are reasons why she left the marriage. And I don't believe those are the reasons why she left the marriage. I believe these things happened and she took it. Right. And now she conveniently is bringing them up. Now that she is exiting the marriage, she's conveniently bringing up that he cheated on her with this judge. God knows how many in 2005, 2007, you know, flip phones. Come on. You know, so you <laughs> held on to these things so that you could use them and cash them in. But we're not buying it because you stayed with him after that. If you stayed with him after he cheated on you, why would you leave him in the year 2020 for cheating on you 15 years earlier, 14 years earlier? Mm-hmm. When he's when he's he's close to the end. I mean, I loved when Garcelle was like, I don't understand why she just didn't wait it out. And they're all like, what do you mean? What do you mean? And Elisa's <laughs> like, oh, I know what she means. I was like, are you all stupid? Of course, that's what she means. He's 80, 85 or 80. How old is he? I think 81. And, 81. and this may be controversial, but I do not believe he has Alzheimer's. I, I believe that is it, you can't hide that. And Alzheimer's is a separate diagnosis from other forms of dementia. It's like very particular to get that Mm -hmm. diagnosis. And if he can't make his own decisions, I mean, this would be very, very obvious over the, it doesn't just happen overnight when you get sued. Oh, (laughs) my Alzheimer's kicked in. You know, like they, they hired some doctor to diagnose him with that so that he, as some sort of a way to mount a defense. Yeah, he and they showed that video, doing. that video of him where they're trying, they're doing his deposition and his brother's there and they're saying about the money. And he was like, well, I did have $50 million, but I or don't know. 80. He said 50 or 80. He, he, Are or you 80. kidding me? I mean, that is wild to have no accounting of exactly how much you had at a particular point in time. And it, yeah, but then he was like, but I don't know where it is. So I guess they're they're trying to say for the last 20 years, since he was 61, he had Alzheimer's and he doesn't know that he gave all this money away or that he was making these phone calls where he was like tricking people into not getting their payment so he could have them so he could invest them or all these lawyers that were calling him up suing him and he was saying we could make this go away. All of that time he had Alzheimer's and didn't know what he was doing. I don't believe that Alzheimer's bullshit either. I think he's... I think he's a snake in the grass. I think he's been shady for a long time. And I think he loved having the hot wife he could parade around. I assume the other two were probably, maybe the first wife was like a real marriage. And then the next two were trophy wives. But 
As for Erica, again, I think I'm, you know, controversial and just saying, like, I do think she knew some stuff was coming, but I definitely don't think she would, for all that time, just continually take money for him and then come on the show and talk about how rich they are and their airplanes. And I just don't think she would, knowing, look at, look at Teresa Judice. I mean, now look at freaking Jen Shaw. I mean, if you come on the show and talk about how wealthy you are, it, it, you know, you wouldn't do that if you if you thought you were going to get caught or the shit was going to go sideways. No, I agree. Yeah. I agree. And I don't think that there's anything illegal that she did. Um, and neither does Jay Edelstein, who was on Kay Casey's podcast. He says, no, 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 this is not a, a criminal. You know, people are saying throw her in jail. Throw what, what law did she break? There isn't one. Right. But he broke laws. She didn't. But what she is on the hook for is the money that she got from Girardi Keese. And if they can prove that that money was stolen from victims, she is going to be liable in civil lawsuits to pay that back. And that's where she's going to get screwed. It's going to be at the wallet. It's not going to be, you know, some sort of thing where she's receives jail time or gets probation. No. So she's unable to, I guess they froze everything. So she's unable to take this pile of purses that's got to be worth at least a million dollars, just the pile of purses and not even like the shoes and the clothes, the pile of handbags and take those to the real, real and get a million dollars. Well, I mean, so at one point in December, she was selling things on Poshmark and the, the court ordered her to stop. Mm-hmm. So I don't know where everything stands. Now, here's what frustrates me about Erica is that she's saying, oh, I can't talk about the lawsuit. I can't do press for Bravo. You know, I need to protect myself, all of that. But then when she does comment via social media and post a caricature of herself as a scapegoat, that's mm. her speaking on what's going on. That's her that giving was, her that her was thoughts. So stupid. That and was so, so stupid. it's very and and I think she's normally a person very in control. But there are parts of her, I think, where she feels very wrong. She feels like there's something in in the media story that's not accurate about her, and she feels the need to fight back. And when she does that, she makes errors. So, like, when she posted the text messages between Tom and a supposed woman he was having an affair with, you know, we all figured it out within, you know, three seconds. Oh, my God, that was a flip phone. This was this many years ago. This wasn't... The, you didn't... Yeah divorce him over this you know so she makes her errors when she does the social media stuff and i think it's really really not smart of her because she's also showing that she's not upset or feel any sort of sympathy to the victims and but she is showing that she is upset about how people view her and that that she is being a scapegoat so if she's not going to speak she should not speak on any of it Mm-hmm. You know, rather than it's fine if she doesn't want to show sympathy, sympathy to the victims, but then she shouldn't speak at all. Well, I don't think it's fine that she doesn't want to show sympathy to no, the no, victims. I mean, I think I, I she think should it, be like, I'm horrified to hear what has happened that my that my husband has allegedly done, and I will do everything in my power to, to help those people that my husband has wronged. I in mean, the end, that's the what end. I think she should do. But if she's being told by lawyers you should not speak at all, then I also respect that. If, if that's what she's being advised to do. But she is selectively choosing what to speak on and what not to, and that's where I have an issue. It would be mm. one thing if she just didn't speak, period, while they're going through this lawsuit. But no, she's choosing to and, and posting these thirst trap photos, and it feels just so it's so disgusting at, that she feels like she is more wronged in this situation than a victim of the PG&E you know, explosion who's had to go through 30 surgeries and hasn't received his payout. I mean, right. how in what world does she think that she is more wronged? Right. I, yeah. Yeah. I see what you're saying. I think that it's a it's a it's a it's a definite tone deaf situation. It's a read the room situation that she's not doing. Um, OK, we didn't see much of Garcelle this week. We just saw her talking to the dating coach who I loved. Uh, I loved when they f- held up the little whiteboard that she was right. You know, she was, she had said things like kind, you know, available, blah, 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 you know, not too big. She had indicated. And then she said, <laughs> yes. and then when they held it up, one of them was good dancer. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> she's like, I just need somebody that can bust a move. I, I don't care. I just need to be able to get on the dance floor. Um, I love Garcelle. I hope we're going to get to see more of her. Um, and then Dorit has become just a complete Louis Vuitton ad at all times. She has really leaned into this label thing, and it is so ridiculous. Nobody just 
would dress like that head to toe literally on your head on your body on your feet on your handbag on your fingers on your jewelry one designer like that she looks so stupid it's just too it's too much it's too much for me and i love to look at all that shit but it's too much for me to read she's next by the way She's next. (laughs) So where I I have a difference of opinion, at least with Dorit and PK, if they stole money, they stole it from rich people. So it's a lot harder to feel sorry for people scamming other rich people than it is, I think, at least to, you know, with what's going on with the Girardi. So who knows exactly what they've been doing, what properties they've been flipping, where they're making their money, where they're losing their money, all of that. But um, I really find PK and Dorit extremely charming. And I don't know what that says about me, really? but I like them. Mm. I find them mm. hilarious television. I love when she's like, baby, oh, Jagger. Like, I don't know. I just, she's so funny to me. I, I don't know what it is. I find her extremely watchable and I find I like him. And I did not originally. The, the two of them irritate me so bad and I'm ready for them to go the, I'm ready for them to go down I really am I really am when she's like I can't wait to make these dumplings for PK I'm like you're not gonna go home and make those dumplings for PK on your rented Versace dishes shut up I, I, you know every time we go to the beach and I mean this has been years since Eileen Davidson was on and Dorit was on and they were you know going for the beach walk she's like is it too windy for our beach walk and I, every time we go to the beach, which is several times a year during quarantine, I'm every time we go, I'm like, you want to go on a beach walk? My husband will go, yeah. And then I'll say, is it too windy for a beach walk? <laughs> He's never watched these shows. He's like, I don't, it's not I don't, funny. I don't I'm, get it. It's so it's not it's funny. funny. I'm laughing all the way up and I'm <laughs> laughing you. Thank at you. your joke. Thank I, you. I, I never really had an issue with Dorit. I definitely did not like PK in the beginning. I mean, I went so far as to say that he brings shame to my people. Like, called him a Shanda, which is like a Yiddish word for like a Jew who brings shame to our people. Um, oh my and, God. Yeah, it's a, there's a Yiddish word for everything. Uh, but I don't know. There's something when I think my thinking on him changed when she had that huge party for him on the yacht and the Ooh. helicopter and then he saw his parents and he started crying and I was like, oh, he likes his family. Oh, maybe they really do have a real marriage. They seem to really enjoy each other's company you know like and then you see him with Mauricio shitting shitting around and I'm just like shooting the shit I I find I just find them funny I will say one of the funniest things I think it was last episode when yeah we Kyle and Dorit got in that argument and Dorit's like okay baby we're leaving the party and he was like I, I get in the car and he goes oh god we had to leave I didn't even get to eat and she was like PK you had a hamburger before we left home <laughs> she's like 90 like, minutes ago <laughs> I was like, now that is funny. She's like, what are you talking about? You didn't get to eat. You ate a full meal before we left. I'm like, now that was a real moment. Because he was like, I didn't even get to eat. She's like, (laughs) how many hamburgers do you need? You fat fuck. Shut up. Oh, my God. Um, Yeah, there's nothing going on with them. All right. I want to quickly with you touch on this uh, Britney Spears situation that happened this week. So, um, Britney, uh, there was a conservatorship hearing and I guess it was, again, to for her to uh, dispute it, or at the very least, what she wants is to keep the conservatorship, but have the bank in charge of it and not her dad, okay? That's what I understood. But I think that as they got closer to it, she realized, like, hey, I actually can dispute this. Like, I don't have to just say it's going to go to the bank. Like, I could say I want it to end. And I think maybe she never realized that before because she was like, my lawyers have never told me I can dispute it. Um... I found her statements to be heartbreaking. I found them to be a little bit all over the place, but you know, she's not like an English major writing a thesis. You know, she just was writing it from the heart when she was reading it. And I think she was talking very fast to get it all out for fear. She was going to be like cut off. Mm -hmm. I thought some of the most interesting points, she kept saying when they put me in that place, when they put me in that place. So I don't know if she's referring to what happened in 2007, 2009, no, I think when they um, forcibly put her in a treatment center when Co- Jamie couple had a couple ago? years back. Yes, I think. Because she keeps saying the last two years, the last two years. So okay. I feel like it got way worse for the last two years than it was prior to that. Did she at all in that statement, did you hear her say anything about the whole 2007? Like what happened to lead up to this when she locked herself in the house and the suicide and not letting the boys out of the house and all those 
things that really did have, she really did have go through some sort of mental crisis, uh, a real mental health crisis. I didn't really hear her talk about that. I heard her talk about like, I want to not have an IUD. I want to start a family. I want to ride in the car. I want to ride in the car. I want to be able to leave the country when I want, you know, I don't want to be a prisoner. And I thought it was so interesting too, that she said, you know, they told me, I want to go get my nails done. Like they told me during COVID, I was not allowed to get my nails done. My mom was getting her nails done every week. I want to say, well, your mom lives in Louisiana and you live in LA. So that's different. But she's saying, you know, she said, even the maids that come to my house have their nails done and I'm not able to go get my nails done. I thought that was interesting that maybe people were like not letting her leave the house and using COVID as an excuse. Yeah. I think there's used so many excuses. I felt like she has not been able to see any person, whether it be a doctor or a therapist, anyone that has her best interests at heart and that isn't going to read all of the medical notes and come in with a predetermined view because, mm-hmm. you know, to, to take someone off of medication that they're on and change their medication, that's mm-hmm. not something you do lightly. And it's not something you do as a first choice. As someone, me, who's on medication, mm-hmm. you know, you don't just like switch it up for no reason. You go through a lot of different things before you get to that point of making changes. And when you make them, you do it incrementally and you're very careful. Yes. And, you know, it's it's a lot to mess with. And so to take whatever medication she was on and then all of a sudden put her on lithium, which may be a completely different... I mean, I, I don't doubt that she may have bipolar disorder, but many, many people have bipolar and are completely functioning members of society. I think she's been so... She hasn't been allowed to make any decision for so long that... Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast wherever you get your podcasts. For her to even describe what it's like, it's it's so hard because she doesn't even know what it's like to do normal things. So she's able to use these examples like they don't let me leave the house. They don't let me go in my boyfriend's car. They don't they won't take out my IUD. I want to get my IUD. I want to get married. I want to try and have another baby. You know, it's wild that it's gotten to this point. But I'm not shocked. I'm just shocked that she actually spoke up. Because up until this point, it was speculative because she'd never said anything. I believed it was all true based on, you know, the evidence. But it's until you hear from her, it's hard to to really know. So I'm, mm-hmm. gl- I'm glad she spoke out. But it's wild that she was never told. And somehow she found out recently that she could end. She could petition to end the conservatorship. And she literally said, ma'am, I wasn't I didn't even know that was an option. So it's like this whole time she thought this was what the rest of her life was going to be like and was trying to negotiate little things. You know, I'll work and then you can let me do this. I'll, and it, I mean, forcing her to work when she had a fever, forcing... Uh, there's, It's so dark and I don't understand this celebrity culture of like teams of people around who make decisions. But I also had sort of a similar shock when I was watching the Demi Lovato documentary where she talked Mm -hmm. about her teams and how her assistant called their director of security before she called 911. She found a almost lifeless body. And her first thought was not, I need to call 911, but let me call someone first to make sure I can call 911. And that is that level of like, bubble and insulation and removal from uh, people's basic interests is so it's so terrifying what these people go through I want to know how is Ariana Grande making it through I mean is it that she's got this great mom who is truly keeping it together I mean how do these people get through out alive well my listeners will say here goes Mary Payne again she's going to talk about Billie Eilish because I'm obsessed with Billie Eilish but um in in the documentary that she had on Apple Plus, her parents are very involved. They started filming her for this documentary when she was 14. She's uh, currently 19, about to be 20. So they filmed her for quite a long time when she was first album came out to when she won a ton of Grammys and stuff. 
and I'm sure they're filming her now still. Um, but she, the mom, who's like, you know, my age or maybe like 60, at one point says, um, I don't understand, like, what happened to Justin Bieber. Like, how, because Billie Eilish loves Justin Bieber. And she's like, I don't understand how the family could do that, right? Because we're the parents and we are on tour. Like, we leave the house. We, we're all on tour. If we're going to Italy, we're going to Italy. If we're going to Calabasas, we're going to Calabasas. We're all going together. We're on tour. And I don't know how a kid does it without a parent there because her team is great. And the people we've assembled love her and care for her. But they are employees, at the, even though they love her and we love them. But we're the parents. We're there when she wakes up in the morning. We see if she has a fever in the middle of the night. So... I think what's tragic about this Britney Spears situation is her, even her parents weren't on her side. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And, and I think sister her mom, and her sister. I think the mom has been so uh, terrified of the dad. Yes. I think he's a real monster and she's been terrified of him. I think the brother is also a little bit not great. But the sister, I think that somebody was saying on some podcast that uh, she posted a, a photo of some little kids and was like, I used to love going to my cousin's ranch and these little kids just play in the dirt and it wasn't it great to like play in the dirt when we were kids. And that Jamie Lynn wrote under it, which of our cousins had a ranch question mark exclamation point. And I think that's a signal to be like, Brittany is not writing this. She is not writing this. A lot of people think she's not, but all the weird videos she does were over and over. She looks at the camera and turns in front of the white screen and, and poses and turns and poses and turns. She's obviously putting those up or her team is putting them up to make her look nuts. Like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I feel like there are so many layers to uncover for how it all began and how it continued and who did what to like make it look a certain way i think britney was in on it too like she said she wanted to convey that everything was okay because that was a way that she was able to get through it by being in denial but she's no longer going to be in denial and she's no longer going to lie that she's okay she's not okay and so i think it's a very brave thing of of her mm-hmm. to do and I, I think it's um, yeah. making the whole country aware of some of these laws and conservatorships and how really awful they can be. And also about how we treat people who have mental illness, who are living with disabilities um, and maybe not allow them to make decisions about their bodies. Yeah. Did you think it was interesting as well that she said, um, you know, I was told I'm not allowed to talk to the press and I'm so glad that I know that the press can't see me, but that they can hear this today. Like, I'm so happy. She was saying, like, I've always been told, like, I can't say anything. I can't say anything. But now I know that the press is listening. I was like, everyone's listening, not just the press, you know. So that was interesting to me, too, that she just, like, doesn't doesn't grasp that Instagram goes out to the world or because you know, all these people, conspiracy theorists, like, oh, when she puts on the yellow, that means she won't help or she wears purple, you know, all that, which none of that I think is true. But I think that she's not grasping the level of interest that people really, really have. Um, strangers, fans, you know, people that uh, I'm sure there's so many people in the healthcare industry, in the mental health care industry that are good people that are seeing this and like, what the hell? Like, why is her, why is her therapist allow this to go on? What kind of psychiatrist would allow this to go on and change these medications? And she mentioned more than once about a nurse comes to her house a few times a day to make her take medicine. That's terrifying. All of it's just. Can you so... imagine just like a nurse walking into your house a couple times a day and saying, "Take well, this." Well, she had and to change you? in front of them. She said she had to get naked and change in front of them. So she was completely bare. She had to give. She said I had to give eight vials of blood a week, which is. What? They were like testing her for drugs and all kinds of things. Like, uh, I just, the the purpose I thought of this conservatorship was to get her to a place where she was stable again and then could regain access to her life. This makes no sense to do for 13 years. I don't know what, how they weren't asking more questions. But I also know that it sounds like the law makes it so that once you're in this situation, it's really hard to get out of it. Mm -hmm. But I'm not a lawyer and I don't understand this type of law man oh man i really hope that her speaking up and everybody being able to hear it really really gets the ball rolling on getting something going you know she may have something going on where she does need a, a person to really watch her money for her uh run her house for her all those things and that's great 
she's a, a rich, famous pop star who's worked very, very hard, can afford all those things for herself for money that she's made herself. So that's fine. But I think that the whole, like, they they are telling me I can't have a baby. They are telling me I can't ride in the car with my boyfriend. They, but she's on private plans with her boyfriend. Who's driving her there? He's not allowed to drive her. Why? Like, these, like there's so many of the small things that she said just stuck with me where I was like, who cares if she rides in the car with her boyfriend? It sounds you know? like her father is just incredibly abusive. The thing that stuck with me the most was that she said, and I cried to him on the phone for an hour and he enjoyed it. He enjoys mm-hmm. the power that he has over me because I'm a powerful person and he has power over me. And that just made me, I was like, oh my God, this man is terrifying. Terrifying. He's not even allowed to be around her children. Right. There's a restraining order. Like the fact that there's a restraining order against him, shouldn't that be like, oh, someone who has a restraining order against them, maybe they shouldn't be a conservator for somebody else. Mm -hmm. For the mother of those children. (laughs) Yeah. Or anyone. Like maybe they shouldn't ever play that role. Well, I'm just glad that that was that wasn't a private hearing and that people were able to hear it. And for, you know, all the people for all the years that have been on this free Britney movement are uh, justified and getting the answers. And, I, and I'm just waiting for a really good podcast to come out that'll break it down verbatim what she said, you know, line by line and kind of explain what it means, because she was talking fast and I only listened to it one time. I'd like to listen again. But so many of those little things stuck out. I'm sure that she said so much more in there that I didn't catch. I did catch the whole thing about, she's like, I taught 17 people my entire stage show. So obviously I'm able to do that. You know, like I'm not, I'm not like some zombie that just goes out there and does one, two step and sinks. Like I'm able to teach 17 people a, a two hours worth of dancing. You know I mean? I thought she, she, she made a lot of good points about how if I'm able to do that, why can't I then go across the street and buy myself a Starbucks, you know? Or decide when I want to change my kitchen cabinets. She was told that it was too much money to change, to remodel her kitchen. They wouldn't let her take money for that. I mean, that's, that's absolutely insane. She's Britney Spears. Give her whatever whatever kitchen she wants. I mean, you know, it's it's nuts. So I really, and I'm glad, and I know this is going to sound stupid, but I'm glad a lot of these celebrities are sort of getting on board because you do see sometimes, you know, like you could be somebody who just like worships Justin Timberlake and doesn't know anything about this Britney thing. And you're, and then you as the fan, your mind will be drawn to it and be like, oh, you know, so a lot of these people speaking out that somebody like Sarah Jessica Parker probably has plenty of fans or followers that don't know one thing about this Britney thing, but because she speaks out, then they go, look, you know, so it's, it's, I'm glad a lot, a lot of attention is coming this way. And I feel that for the people that have been on this free Britney movement for a while, I feel like, you know, good for you. Like you did something, you know? Yeah. And I think it's not just about Britney. It's about the people who are caught in the legal system in this way. And that there needs to be some reforms to this archaic practice of conservatorship, where when someone is deemed unable to make decisions for themselves, that they are almost permanently having those abilities to make those decisions taken away from them legally. And then they have no rights under that conservatorship. And so, I'm hoping that there are a lot more conversations and changes to state law, because this is done on a state-by-state basis, that make it so that people aren't caught in these situations. It's going to take a very long time to, you know, getting laws passed is not simple. (laughs) And, um, you know, the law is is very difficult to change. Um, But I'm I'm hoping that this gets people's attention, because it's not just her that's caught in that. And she mentioned that there are other people caught in abusive conservatorships. And I thought that was so amazing that even when she's going through all this, she's thinking about it's not just me. There, there are other people caught in this. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, you know, the best situation is uh, she's able to make her own medical decisions. She's able to talk to doctors. And, and at the end of the day, you know, like years down the road, maybe she can be an advocate for people who've been stuck in these same situations because she's lived it herself, you know? Yeah. And she can sue her family, which she says she wants to do. And I, I lo- love she was like, it. I really, I love when she was like, I'd like to be able to sue my family and my lawyers and my, you know, yeah. Very, very interesting. Very interesting. Well, I knew that you are, are very caught up on it. And I, I just thought like, Oh man, I could just throw out a few things to Mandy. I bet she'll know. Yeah. I, I look, I look to you for my, uh, for, uh, adult advice. I need to talk to my dad about this because my dad has been a big fan of Britney Spears for a long time, which is like absolutely hilarious. He's this, um, he's this Russian man. And he just, when he first saw her, when she was like 17 or 18 years old, he was like, 
she is next Madonna. Yeah. <laughs> and so he said that from the beginning. She's talented. She's got a good voice. She can dance, all of the stuff. She, he was like, this isn't it for her. She's going to go far. And he was right. And he always says he likes her. And I remember asking him about the, and he was like, I need to watch that documentary. So I need, I need to, to ask Ilya Slutsker his, his thoughts on this situation. Cause he's, It'll he's make him a so fan. sad, I bet. I bet it'll make him so sad. Yeah, but also probably empowered that she's speaking out. Yeah. Yeah, you you got to give him all the information. Give him the most recent information too, he, so he doesn't he, go oh, away he, for that. He day. figures things out. He follows stuff. He's not. Yes. Yeah, Elias Lutzker does not live in a hole. Although he doesn't really watch much television, so he <laughs> he watches just YouTube videos at this point. <laughs> it's television these days, right? I mean, yeah. Listen, I thank you very very much for doing this, and uh, I, I feel like uh, I learned a lot about the uh, bamboozle Jane and two tone Tommy <laughs> or whatever Danny Pellegrino was calling him. <laughs> He said he called her that because she did some TED Talk. And at the TED Talk, she said, and that's the biggest bamboozlement I ever pulled over on anybody. Talk, I don't know what the hell she was talking about. But ever since she said that word in her TED Talk, uh, which is just hilarious that she gave a TED Talk. I mean, I was like, what is a TED Talk these days? I could give a TED Talk on, like, how to shop at Costco. Like, it's so stupid. <laughs> um, but that's why, that's why he said he called her that. And I was like, now that's funny. So you gave me a lot of insight today on on both of these things and um, I'll be following the Britney thing and we can maybe uh, talk about it at another time once more information comes out. Yes, I'm I'm praying that someone petitions to end the conservatorship, but she has to get a lawyer that will do that. Um, tell everybody where they can find out about you and your podcast. Oh, thank you, Mary Payne. I love Pink Shades so much. I've uh, been listening to you guys for a long time. So my podcast is Is This Real Life with Mandy Slutsker. You can find it anywhere you listen to podcasts. And you can find me on social media at Mandy Slutsker on Twitter and Instagram and sometimes Clubhouse, although... I feel like once you get on Clubhouse, it's real quite hard to get off. So I, I just sometimes don't go on. But um, yeah. that's at Mandy, just like Mandy Moore. And then Slutsker typed slut, S-K-E-R. Pretty hard to forget. <laughs> I can imagine growing up with that last name was a little rough. I don't know. It made me pretty popular in high school. <laughs> <laughs> oh, girl. All right. Thanks, Mandy. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.